everybody, and welcome to another episode of Middle of the Road, the podcast. This week, we are flashing back to 2000 to... 2000. What? Yeah, 2000. Well, you That's said 2002 very slowly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I said 2000. Yeah, but the way two. you pause, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is... A pick from John, and it is Gus Van Sant's Finding Forrester. This was his follow-up to Goodwill Hunting, and I see some... It's It was a very interesting choice for him to put these two movies back-to-back, but before we get into that, we're going to let John tell us why he picked this movie, and then we'll go from there. Sorry, I'm just also reading your guys' reviews on Letterboxd, which means this is going to be an interesting episode. Do it later. I think as an educator, I kind of have a bias towards these type of mentory or education type films. But also... Please don't tell me you uh, abide by the Forrester School of uh, Mentorship. Oh, I... uh... I actively abuse my students all day He's more long. of an October Sky teacher. <laughs> oh, gr- oh, gross. Lauren, Lauren, you th- there's a line, and then... You're the ones you who think it. it's a gross relationship. That's on you. And also, I, as someone who's not super well-read, but has always really admired people who are, like, I think... I think to my friend Andrew Sestola, shout out to Andrew Sestola, who just... As a teenager, like in high school, like. So this this portrayal of a teenager, of a youth who has an appreciation of the all the like famous writers of not just American literature, but Western literature and like all this kind of stuff. It just, it was just such a unique story to me and something that gave me something to, uh, as now, I guess, an amateur writer or whatever, something to aspire to and something to really admire and emulate, not for the sake of the accolades or for, or for any type of like elitism or pretentiousness, but for the sake of appreciating knowledge for what it is. And so, yeah, I, I, I just really like the portrayal that I Rob Brown makes of Jamal Wallace. It's very naturalistic. At times it seems maybe not fleshed out as much, but I think actually I, I think that's actually done intentionally for the moments at the end. Like I think it's interesting that we never we always see Jamal writing and we sometimes see him reading, but we never actually see I don't think we ever see him reading. Fair enough. He's handed a book once. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I love how we're kind of left to to actually hear his final words at the end. Now, even with that, do we really hear his words? Not as much as I would have hoped, but I love that we're actually kind of taken for this mystery almost of, do we act, Do we as the audience actually believe that this student from a, a not an atypical background, but an atypical background for what his interest would imply is who he says he is or is who is implied. I think it's interesting that a lot of the time, maybe not in as much of a hostile or thinly veiled racist connotation, we're in the position of F. Murray Abraham's uh, Professor Crawford, where we're trying to like decipher and see 
who this kid is and really unpack him. Do you watch this movie from his point of view? No, I, what I'm saying in, in the sense of because we're never really except for like the times where he's writing and that kind of thing, we never we're never actually exposed to Jamal Wallace's ability until like later on in the movie. And then it's confirmed. And also I'll say those scenes are like pretty fucking awesome, I think. Like when he's going toe to toe with F. Murray Abraham, it's still like those scenes I remember so vividly, and when I rewatched them, I was like, I was just as deeply moved or just as deeply affected by them. Well, I knew those were the scenes that is the reason you like this movie, but but it seems weird to me that you viewed it as a mystery. Not, not no, like yeah, he I doesn't don't... he doesn't get in the door of Forrester's house unless he's talented. No, I like there's no doubting his talent. No, I ever. I get that. I think. I don't want to I maybe I overstay that not necessarily as a mystery per se but I think one thing that was really apparent to me this time around watching it as opposed to when I watched it when I was younger was this idea that we never actually hear his voice though we ne- like we're supposed to assume that he's a great writer because people talk about his test scores and talk about like how well versed he is in reading and we see him writing a lot or whatever but we never actually hear his words and so there's always like a sliver of i don't want to say doubt but a sliver of like unknowingness wouldn't you say that could be held as a a valid criticism of this movie I w- that it never does get it, even though it's saying it's like we shouldn't think inner city black kids can't be successful students but then never actually show him being successful i think i will say that was one thing i noticed on this like most recent viewing but i think it's done in a way um to build up the poignancy of the last scene when sean connery goes to the school and um reads his uh jamal's essay the th- but 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 the, another criticism i would say i have is and i didn't realize this at the time it's just like i would have loved if that scene was just the entire thing but then gus van sant does this like weird thing where he like he just lets the the background music elevate and like drown out the actual words and then it's just like still frame shots of different people and it's just like oh look how poignant he is because look how like engross the people are to him talking and it's like just let him talk let, let us just like hear the the words themselves and th- that was one thing i how did how about you let jamal read them yeah no i yeah i i mean i guess for this for the sake of film drama um and the reveal at the end i think i mean i guess that's why they decided with that i mean the film is built around two scenes the scene where jamal talks back and then the big final fuck you to F. Marie Abraham. And it's then there's 120 minutes that doesn't add. I, I don't know. It just like at the end of the movie, I was like, OK, I can see where the big idea, like where they wanted this. And obviously this guy loves Catcher. The guy who wrote the movie loves Catcher on the Rye and wanted to talk about what would it would be like to find J.D. Salinger and be his mentor and i almost think it would have been better if they just i guess you probably couldn't for legal reasons but just have it be catcher in the rye and jd salinger like wouldn't that been a more interesting movie like playing with a real person like that there's also what about that there is this this makes me remember the uh the movie that came out with ed harris and zoe deschanel and uh uh will ferrell that was essentially along those lines as well i vaguely know what you're talking about i might have seen it 
Yeah, I don't know. I will say I I I get a little bit of what you're saying, Zach, but I do think the chemistry between Rob Brown and Sean Connery is great. I do like it a lot. Yeah, but they don't give them anything to do. Like, I don't know. Like, their conversations aren't all that interesting, I don't think. And I disagree. I think I I I use the standard of a soup question. Um <laughs> Not regularly, but from time to time. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I'm not saying there's not a couple good lines there and that they don't have chemistry. It's just they don't do anything with it over the course of the movie. They don't do anything t- with anything. <laughs> yeah. It, and then, like, again, and then the, the two big scenes of the, the F.U. to F. Murray Abraham is is not built around either of their chemistry. And then the the big... I mean, I get, they're trying to have it both ways with the ending that, like, Jamal gets to have his voice finally be proven. But then nobody's doubting him except F. Murray Abraham at the same time. And yeah, Forrester gets out of his house and re-enters society for 0.2 seconds before riding off into the sunset. Literally. I, I, which that they should have they should have ended on the they should have ended with him walking out of the room. Yeah, I love how he gets so freaked out walking in a crowd at whatever stadium they were. Are they in Yankee New York stadium. in this movie? Yeah, they're in New York. No, I'm talking about when it was a basketball no, were, game. Yeah, they were at Madison. They were at the Madison Square. Okay, Garden. when he was doing that, but somehow he's very comfortable riding a bike through traffic. <laughs> uh, it, I would it didn't look like traffic. I assume there it was were like cars much right next later to it. <laughs> All I mean, over. I, I think they were. I think they were parked on the side. No, of the they road. were driving. There's not people. I mean, I'm not going to judge how accurate his agoraphobia is, but it seemed weird and just easily fixed when it needed to work for the movie. Well, but it, but it it also wasn't like quite agoraphobia. Yeah, too, I, I don't think right? it makes very clear why he doesn't want to get like he really. I don't even what, like. Why does died? he hate the world so much? I don't. I don't know. I thought he was going to fall out the window and die. Everyone, that would have been fall. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would. Oh my god, you guys are terrible it's, people. So was this um, movie. <laughs> <laughs> I th- like. I I deeply believed. Like, I really like the scene at Yankee Stadium too when he's talking about when we finally have the reveal of sort of the trauma or the tragedy that affected him. I think Sean Connery played that very well and very authentically. Yeah, and I wish we had had that with Jamal. It's like we know so much about Sean Connery's character, but it's like at one point he's like, oh, don't bring up your dad issues. It's like we barely heard. We haven't heard anything about Jamal. It's like It feels like so many of the conversations happen off screen. We're just supposed to pick up on little hints at things that we don't know about. Yeah, I feel like I, I was worried, though, that with that, the film might go too into exposition. And well, I mean, cut out all the stuff with the basketball rival if you're not going to do anything with it. Cut out all the stuff with Adam Packwood if you're not going to do anything with it. And just that was that was the moment I knew this movie couldn't save itself was the Anna Packwood thing because it's like there's no he point. Writes, he starts he starts like asking a Forrester like it's like how you know, Forrester's like you know if you write poetry for a woman you know it's the way to her heart. Then he writes her this thing. No surprising gift. It was a surprising Where did he get gift. The book from did he like steal that. it? I think. He gave Forrester gave it to him and signed but it. But Forrester didn't want to. Forrester didn't want people to know that they had a relationship. So it's just like it feels like it would bring up way too many questions. He he hands he hands her the book. So it's like implied he wants to be in this relationship with her, but then immediately is like, oh, actually it wouldn't work because you know your dad and stuff. It's like, then why are you trying to woo her? 
Like, if, I just wish I the movie there's had no focused, point to this fucking they relationship. They should have focused more on Forrester and Jamal. Because that's what we're here for. That's really interesting because I didn't see that aspect of his relationship as super distracting. Yes, it was it was more minimal and it was more uh, peripheral, but I didn't I didn't see it as a distraction from. I mean, they just seemed like half-ass storylines that didn't go anywhere. I feel like this this movie just feels manufactured as a whole. That was like my yeah. biggest problem with Paint it. It's by like, numbers. oh, we have to have this. We have to this kind of. We have to this have this. We have to have this romance. We also have to have this rivalry because you know he's a high school he's a high school basketball player. We also have to have this mentor. And the moment I'm like, fuck, I would just I wish I was just watching Goodwill Hunting. Then fucking Matt Damon shows up and I'm like, God damn it! Like, oh no. And it's like, oh, Forrester died. Well, okay. That's incredibly emotionally manipulative. Like Oh, I, I saw that I coming feel... from the very beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah, but it's also yeah, but it's also like again, it's a very like it's the only way this they saw how to end it, and it just—I I hate saying this, but I didn't care about anything in this movie. Like, it's slow. It—it it feels. Like I didn't care about anything in your movie, John. You've Sorry, had your fifteen just... minutes to monologue. Let him talk. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Whatever, Charlie's Angels is better than this movie, John. <laughs> I just—I—I—I I, I, I just—I was so bored and not like interested in this movie like i had to turn my phone off and put it on the other side of the room <laughs> to keep myself from looking at it while watching this movie and then i i stopped it with like 20 minutes left sunday night and the whole day and monday i'm just like fuck i still have 20 minutes of this movie that i have to go back and watch yeah. <laughs> and uh, it just this was the one time this week uh, i was happy to have a bladder infection so i got to keep taking breaks from this movie <laughs> <laughs> so one thing's for certain it's no it's no charlie's angels you guys can keep trying you're not going to trigger me i'm a minority <laughs> living in trump's america i got skin of steel baby f murray abraham is really good in the movie and i enjoyed watching him what was the last time f murray abraham wasn't good in a movie though that's true but he is entertaining but that's why it, he i don't know he's so not a part of the movie and then he becomes this villain, and then they never really flesh out why there's a rivalry between him and Forrester. Feel so bad for him because he doesn't know Forrester like just crapped on his book for no over. reason. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like it's like it's kind of like yeah, this is Forrester's fault to an extent because they kind of put the cart before the horse because they're like F. Murray Abraham's a real dick, but he's a real dick. Because Forrester turned him into this asshole. <laughs> but then we're supposed to yeah. think he's this awful person. It's like, I don't... And it doesn't really try to... Like, it wants you to have a comeuppance with him two times Well, I movie. think... I'm also... I also gotta be honest. I thought Rob Brown... Rob Brown was pretty terrible. I don't think movie. he was terrible. He, he was, was fine. Brown. Like, he just... They oh, didn't give him anything to do. And and then... And then the Leonardo DiCaprio But it's like, I've seen him... I've seen here. him do really well. Like he was in, uh, he's he's in the Blind yeah, Spot, he's and he's that. actually like one of the better characters in that show. I mean, this was twenty but years I just, ago. He could have improved. Yeah, but it's like I, I just don't feel like they gave him a lot to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just sits there and gets a little grumpy. Even Buster Rhymes, like his, he's Buster so much Rimes. better. He's so much <laughs> so better in though? the in one of the. <laughs> he's so much better in Halloween Resurrection, oh, okay. the one where he. Like, he fucking kung... No, not kung fu. Maybe it is kung fu. But he just does, like, some martial arts beatdown with fucking Michael Myers. And it's like, 
at least he's memorable in that. Just go watch his videos. Dangerous. He's great. Like, Michael Pitt, why is he in this movie? What has he been in since? A bunch of random stuff. The Hannibal TV series? That one with Naomi Watts where he tortures them? Um, Oh, Funny Games. I I never saw that because I heard it's too upsetting. Yeah, it's I'm not yeah, it's pretty upsetting. Seven uh, Psychopaths. But if you watch the Hannibal series, he's he plays the character that Gary Oldman did in Hannibal, mm. the the second movie, and he is fucking incredible in it. Like that's my favorite thing he's done. He was good on Boardwalk Empire. He's he's someone I would want to be like a Joker for the Batman we, or something. We don't need he another is... bat. Do we not need another Joker? <laughs> Well, Batman's gonna have to have a. We may not need one, but we're gonna get one in another two years, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) They're gonna find a way to make Joaquin the Joker and the Batman. I guarantee it. Can I can I say real Uh quick what's interesting? And again, this is just this is purely subjective. But a lot of the things you guys are saying, like I was I I was not completely anticipating, but in general anticipating in the sense of like Ben, you said it. Is this film gonna feel manufactured afterward? Is it going to feel like it's creating this sob story kind of thing um, for me to just to just uh, manipulate my pathos or whatever? And it didn't feel that way. I don't know to for you. me for whatever reason. Even no for me exactly no. I that's I will admit again this is subjective opinion. But even like the thing with all opinions um, are subjective. <laughs> no, yeah, I, well that yeah that's what, I'm just confirming that or <laughs> affirming that or whatever. You heard it here first, guys. Even the like the <laughs> thing with Anna, pa- even the thing with Anna Paquin. I was actually quite glad that they didn't have a full kind of closure of like, oh, and then they start dating or they kiss by the end of the movie. Like that would have. But, but he looks at her when he's on the free um, throw line. She needs to be more important if that's to mean anything. I just realized this is the same director as Good Will Hunting. Yeah. Now I like it even Didn't less. Didn't Jack say that in the beginning? <laughs> yeah, I was. Oh, I didn't yeah. hear that. My my bad. But dude, that this makes Finding Forrester like even worse. I like. I will say another thing that I actually like more completely agree with you guys is I I don't mind the basketball context. I don't mind that as like a subplot or a subtext. But those scenes themselves were very poorly shot like i didn't get a sense i didn't get as much of a sense of i think the two excitement the as two I did practice when I was scenes younger. are well shot the game at the end actually does not make any sense whatsoever if you're watching like they take a they the possessions change it's it's literally broken um also like what they build up the point of this basketball thing is to have the like did you miss him or did you miss him line at the end? But why the fuck would he miss them? So he could like, get what? out of that school because everyone hates him. But that isn't what's... Well, I, he's not I, leaving I, I the school. I think it was a pride aspect. Does anyone else... It probably was, it but was it wasn't aspect. done that well. Because we don't get that big of a sense of his character from the rest of the it's movie. Like, I'm Yeah, and it's like, okay, his pride is worth fucking over his entire team. Cool, I guess. But I mean, he treats his friends like shit anyway. Like... He leaves He leaves his old friends, and then when he feels terrible, he goes back, and they don't want to talk to him. And I'm like, am I supposed to feel bad for Jamal? For, like, I don't think he has them? a ch- I don't. I don't think... I mean, the friends, he doesn't have time to see them. I mean, he's he's. Traveling. I mean, he's hanging out right next to them every day. He could go say hi. Yeah, and he has time to hang uh, out I guess with Michael Pitt, and he has time to <laughs> hang out with Claire. I didn't think like, about that. My other... Uh, one other question I have, and it was the first question that i uh i almost texted you guys 
which was, why, for the love of God, if Jamal is breaking into somebody's place, would he take his backpack off? <laughs> well, he wasn't exactly like, trying to sneak around. Fuck? He's not the biggest... For a smart person, he's dumb. <laughs> like he's, well, he's still a teenager. I'm gonna That's tell not, your students. You I would have had more like I would have had more like four. Oh, I recently none of my teenagers or none of my school students are gonna listen to this. Okay, so like he just breaks into this guy's house that he knows the guy never leaves ever, and he's just clomping around making so much noise. It's like, have you never been played a stealth game before? <laughs> <laughs> Splinter Cell wasn't out yet. The, I, I think these are. I think these are minimal credit. Like I. Well, that's what we're working yeah, with with this movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and even if there's so, and if there's minimal criticism, like a fuckload of them, <laughs> then it's a lot. It piles up, like you know. I mean, there's no substance elsewhere, so we have to pick at what we see. I think this movie could have been good if it had less saxophone. I, oh, hold on, hold on. If it's pacing, this, wasn't this ruined that otter playing is. the saxophone video for me. I can't watch it anymore. <laughs> I actually really liked the the soundtrack. It made it sound like this was some noir it, detective film. Yeah, it doesn't like, fit I was at all. For some gumshoe. I was, I was, I was making the comparison to when I saw this. I was like, oh, is this like where Friday Night Lights kind of got some of its like vibe from? No, because that's good. At times. It felt like no, I, Goodwill Hunting I score, but different with the saxophone. <laughs> like, not as good. I mean, that's what I was brought it up it's at like the, the top same of the thing show. Is, it's like everything in Goodwill Hunting, except just way less impressive. I just don't understand why he would make these movies back to back. It is baffling to me. They're treading. Because he was in uninspired? Similar. Territory. It's probably like shit. Can I just make the same movie and can make a ton of money again? It's not the same movie. Goodwill Hunting has so much more going on for it. I haven't seen um, it, and because of this movie, I don't want to see it. No, you should see it. Oh, it's not even close. Like Goodwill Hunting it is, is so good. Like it's got cool. an amazing. It's got three of the best performances of the nineties, and then um, Charlie's Angels would beg to differ, and it was the two thousands. <laughs> oh no, that was earlier. Never mind. That was in the nineties. Yeah, it might yeah. be my favorite Robin Williams performance of all time. What? Patch Adams. Like, that's how. <laughs> Patch Adams. <laughs> I I liked. Okay, I liked. Patch I loved when oh, he I came out that movie. I just haven't vagina. actually seen it in decades. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be interesting to know because Sean Connery, I think, is a producer on this movie. So is this? His idea, like he wanted to be, like, I, I just don't, I, I don't know. I'd love to hear an interview of, probably should have done some due diligence and seen if the writer, what, where, where this came from. Was it Connery wanting to be the Salinger? Was it someone wanting to tell this underprivileged well, story? Connery, Connery confirmed that the inspiration was Salinger. Yeah. Well, like that, first that, he's going to be Scottish. I, then he's going to drink a lot. Okay, let's go from there. <laughs> <laughs> that just reminded me sorry i know this is kind of a tangent but the scene where he walks into the room and says my name is william forrester and then like unfolds the letter and like puts on his glasses and then just like looks up and is like i'm that one i was like baller move Conrad. i feel like that should have been more awkward too like i don't understand what his issues are he has anxiety attacks when it serves the plot <laughs> true but i think i think there was a sense of anxiety still conveyed in mm. that and and in that scene, did he let you finish? <laughs> <laughs> I agree with John. Um, he Sean Connery is great in that final scene. I think the final scene is a really good 
This is not the Matt Damon final scene. Though. I also think we should have gotten the full speech. Or uh, yes, writing. Yeah, I agree. John agrees with us well, that, on that, that too. Yeah, that's but, what I mean, but here's the we, problem. Based yeah. on the first two sentences, it wasn't good. That's what I'm saying. I think they're like, well, we can't <laughs> think of, we can't come up with something that's so profound. So it was like every other graduation speech. This. <laughs> and also, Jamal, Jamal's kind of like a dirtbag because he's like blaming Connery for like. Yeah, it's like he's the villain in this. this. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like, how dare you let me steal something I told you I wouldn't steal and share well, it with you other didn't people? Steal it, it was you his. bastard! Just quote it. How hard contract. would it have been just to put quotation marks? <laughs> That's true. But I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's supposed to be seen as smart in a in a no in a good light in that as well. I think he's supposed to be seen as a teenager who's in a in a predicament that he unjustifiably got himself into and he's looking for a way out. He did not get himself into it. F. Murray Abraham put him in it by giving him writer's block, by making him. And this was also a competition. It was not a part, it was not a class assignment. He didn't have to do it. I don't know. No, I think that was two separate. Wait, I think. I think the thing he was in the class for It's two separate things. I think one of, I think the assignment he made him sit in that was a class essay yeah it was but a class he didn't essay write anything and then... when he was sitting there so he got an f no i think I... he eventually did i think well I'm... see that's okay. the thing this movie doesn't like to show us things <laughs> i also think I, I i don't get why they completely cut out what's his name jamal his family life like i wanted more with his mom <laughs> yeah his mom seemed interesting and then she's gone from the movie. Her mom's like that was another thing that was kind of unrealistic. The fact that like maybe she's never been to a basketball game and she has no idea maybe what's going on. Maybe she has to work on. a like, lot of jobs. You don't know. No, that's fair. That's fair. But but like she doesn't know how basketball works. I don't know. So John, did it? Did it? Did, does your assessment of this film go up, down, stay the same? He gave it five stars. Um, it's hard to tell. I think. I think I have no, a that no, but that was that a, review. But that was a, a joke review. Yeah. Um, oh. I ended up at like a three and a half. It's still a movie that I really like. Um, but its flaws are that's two more stars than I gave it. Are more glaring. Um, to me now, but it's still it's still something I would find enjoyable. I also, I mean, the ending too. I really love that ending with the credits. Uh, and I didn't realize that. There is a I was scene busy turning the movie off as fast as humanly possible. <laughs> the scene where Jamal puts William to like sleep is like a slowed down jazz version of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Yeah, what was up with all yeah, was Somewhere that Over song? the Rainbow references? And then they played it the the Hawaiian version. What the fuck? Yeah, what was the, did I miss it? where did that come from? That, that is a wonderful question. I have no idea. Maybe there's a deeper <laughs> reason to it. But I it's still I, I thought it was still very affecting. It I know just made th- me that think is of kind of like states. that song is can kind of like fodder for emotional manipulation, but it's I thought it still worked. Uh, no, I think the first time that it's there, it was good. I, I appreciated the I, I get, it was like, oh, this is an interesting cover of the song. But then when it played the happy Hawaiian version at the end, or well, happier. Weren't I don't you know, super happy that Forrester died? Yeah, I was very confused. <laughs> Do we really think that that version? I also find kind of somber. 
like not like super happy i think but it i think it's supposed to make you feel good a little it's a little bit more upbeat than the og is it weird that because we have that scene where he asks if he missed the free throws or not i'm like wonder if forrester just lied about being dead he's just living in scotland now <laughs> just he's like fuck you you're not you gonna tell stole me the my, truth <laughs> stole my writing take this jamal no friendship for you one thing that i think is cool about that closing scene is jamal starts out just shooting hoops by himself and then slowly his friends kind of come back in and yeah where's the character up with him those are some nice friends. As the scene as the scene progresses, like they they all like leave slowly, and then Jamal's off by himself again as well. And again, I don't know. I turned it off. <laughs> um, I'm glad you were touched. Uh, does anybody have Somebody anything else on Finding Forrester? Of all the Finding movies, you know the Finding Nemo's, the Dory's, the Neverlands. <laughs> this one's definitely the worst. <laughs> Is there any other ones in there? Oh, I don't know. Oh, Finding Neverland. Ooh, what another great film. Talk about emotional manipulation. What about Nathan for you, Finding Francis? I don't think I've seen that. I don't know what you're referring to. Do you not know the Nathan for you show? I do know who that. I do know who that is. They did like a. I watched the first episode of that. That was fucking weird. Oh, you gotta keep going, man. That's a great show. Apparently, there was a Finding Steve McQueen last year. Just in case you're curious. Put in Finding, it runs out of Finding (laughs) movies pretty quick. And Finding Forrester does it's not like, register on on the top first page of it's six down. This movie, like this, like Snatch, has pretty much disappeared from. Yeah, but unlike Snatch, this is warranted. <laughs> You're not warranted. Go watch hey, Goodwill Hunting or Milk. For was I'm going to make you my son ever a staying? <laughs> Like, he was saying that to someone, he was playing basketball against the guy, and he's like, I'm going to make you my son right now. It's like, what is that? Yeah, I don't get that one you're gonna, either. Like, you're going to marry his I'm mom I'm going to teach you a lesson, I guess? I just, I just, just, just demean him, like, just but put like, him on I'm just saying, has that but, yeah, ever been a saying? it doesn't make any sense. Have yeah, you I, ever heard anyone yeah. say that? Oh, for sure. I feel like, I feel like, in fact, with, like, students I work with. I, oh, they're still saying that 20 <laughs> years after this movie? Yeah, or, or at least using big Finding John Forrester is. fans out there, <laughs> or using using the phrase "son" as like "son," yeah, as a con- I get that. as a condescending well, yeah. son, but not. Like, I'm gonna like, make up, you son? my son. I'm gonna make you my son. Like I'm gonna be your paternal figure. Yeah. Does it mean like I'm gonna whoop your ass <laughs> like a like That's a dad? I think teach a you a lesson, I guess. Okay. It would have made slightly more sense even if like Forrester had said it. I'm going to make you my son. Dog. It's just like. <laughs> They drew. They drew the line at the B word. They were fine with the, with a couple fucks here and there, but someone suggested I'm gonna make you my bitch, and they're like, "Eh, we don't want to. We don't want to hit the whoa. nose on stereotypes." <laughs> That's gonna do it for Finding Forrester. Next week is another flashback, I believe, to another pick from Ben. Uh, until then, I'm Zach Oldenburg. You can find me wherever you can find at Zach Oldenburg. And you can find us at middleofroad.com. Rate and review the podcast wherever you get it. Apparently it helps. I'm Ben Grigsby. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at the Grigsby Bear. And you can follow all of us on Facebook at Middle of the Row. I'm Jonathan Rahul. You can follow me on Twitter at Another Rahul J. Also, shout out to avid Middle of the Row listener, Ross. He knows he'll know this when he hears it. Because you said um, his name. And you can also- I'm gonna blurb. I'm gonna bleep out his name. <laughs> No, don't bleep out his name. He'd be You're so You're only excited. allowed one shout out oh. per episode, and it's already taken. 
<laughs> Where was I? Oh, our Twitter handle at middle of row. And I'm Lauren Heimbaugh. You can find me on Twitter at Beware of Trees, and you can find us on Tumblr at middleofrow.tumblr.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, the best seats are in the middle of the road. Thank you.